You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Epic Marvel Podcast. This is our third episode, but it's actually the ninth episode of our Avengers series because, you know, this is the Epic Collection. So we're, we're, our episodes are out of order, just like the Epic Collection volumes are out of order. Just before I introduce my co-host, I'd like to make a quick plug for our Patreon site. We're associated with the Thunderquack Podcast Network. And if you head over to patreon.com slash thunderquack, you can be a supporter um, as little as, you know, a dollar a month or so. And, uh, and help keep our podcasts alive. There are many great podcasts that you can listen to through the Thunderquack Podcast Network, as well as uh, my other podcast called the Pullbox Podcast. For those of you who are pledging $5 a month, we've decided to throw in a little bonus for you guys. Um, while preparing for this episode, I got to interview Jerry Conway and Jim Shooter. And uh, both of these guys were editors-in-chiefs at, at Marvel for a period, especially in the 70s here. And uh, they talked to me about their run on Avengers as well as the behind-the-scenes part of Marvel history, which is, in the 70s, really interesting. And uh, we're, I'm going to play clips from these interviews throughout, uh, throughout the episode. But if you want to hear the whole thing, uh, head over to patreon.com and become a supporter, and uh, you'll get the full hour-long interview with Jim Shooter and about 45 minutes, I think, with Jerry Conway. With me today is my co-host, Tommy Abarello. All right. Uh, as you better know me from the Marvel Masterworks message board, I'm Strider Tag. Hi there. Strider Tag. And where are you in the world right now? Okay, right now I'm in French Guyana. So where is French Guyana? French Guyana is a tiny place just above Brazil in South America. That's incredible. Um, I'm glad that you are here talking with us today. I'm sitting here in Canada, so we are quite far away, and this is uh, pretty neat that we get to uh, to to talk together about comics. It seems like it's a yeah. it, it's a worldwide yeah. love, that's for sure. Yeah, let, let, let's say it's the magic of internet. Yes, definitely. So, Tommy, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, how did you get into comics, and what is it like being a comic fan in French Guiana? As for me, uh, the first time I've read comics was uh, in... Uh, well, let's start with the beginning, because uh, at first I'm from Brazil, but since 1990 I live here in French Guyana. So I know I have, let's say, the best of both worlds, because in Brazil there were mainly uh, DC and Marvel comics 
published by an editor called Abriu. So uh, I'll write it for uh, later, so it's gonna be easier. And uh, in France, uh, there were another editor that published mainly Marvel because DC was really tiny at the time in France. Uh, so in France, we had an editor called Semic. And uh, this editor published some uh, magazines, and one of them was Special Strange. And uh, there was a time uh, I came across one issue of the uh, one special issue of this magazine, and was about the second part of the Avengers Final Trade. So more specifically, it was let me see, it was uh, Marvel Two in One Annual Number Two. So the, I read it, I liked it a lot, and uh, after that. My readings were quite sparse. And you read these all in French or Portuguese? Uh, Portuguese, very few, I've, uh, because I've tried uh, to go uh, about once a year. But th these times, not not uh, that much. But when I went to Brazil, I got some trades when I got there. But uh, mainly, uh, I got... Um, Random issues, issues here and there. I try to to select what I uh, what I get. Uh, but the the advantage we had here uh, was that when the, the Cosmic Marvel was being published with Annihilation, they published in some small trade paperbacks. So I I went this route and I collected this way. So I have. Uh, in French, um, all of uh, Abnet and, and, and Lenin uh, Nova, Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, let me see, all of the um, cosmic crossovers that began there, so Annihilation 1, Annihilation Conquests. So you're a big yeah. cosmic fan then? Yes. And it started because of this? Of, yeah, of this, of the Abnet and Lenin run. But but even before that, because of Marvel Two and One. But yeah, as, as you said, yes, right back uh, with Mar Marvel Two in One annual, because I I've seen all these characters, and at the time in uh, in France they have they were uh, publishing uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Great. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this epic collection here. All right. Now, you, when you emailed me and said you'd be interested in talking about this, you you don't have the actual epic collection volume itself, right? No. What I have are the two essential volumes. Uh, to be more more specifically, more specifically, Essential Avengers Volume Seven and Essential Avengers Volume Eight. Okay. Um, and do you, are the epic collections available where you are? No, only if I buy uh, uh, overseas. Right, that's probably pretty expensive. Yeah, be, uh, mainly because of the um, the shipping fees are. Yeah. Uh, when when the they're having sales at the at the stores, when I try to to get them online. Most of the time, the shipping fees are the same price uh, as the books with the discounts. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, it's amazing. Pretty expensive. Well, this Avengers The Final Threat is Volume 9 in the Epic Collection series, and it covers a period of Avengers from 1976 to 1977. Um, issues 150 to 166, plus it has annuals 6 and 7, 
Marvel Villain Team-Up number 9, and Marvel 2-in-1 Annual number 2. So we're going to go through these in chronological order as they appear in this book. All right. Um, But first of all, there's also, I I should mention this, and because you don't have uh, the volume, you probably didn't come across this, there's actually a, um, a, a page that's been misprinted in this first volume. And I'm not sure if when they go to print a second volume, if it's going to be corrected. Um, I'm assuming it will, but as of right now, I don't think a second printing has come up. The uh, the mistake is in issue 158. It's page 190 in the Epic Collection. It's it's a flashback, and you see all of the Avengers at the top of the page looking at um, Black Knight, who's turned to stone. That page is in the wrong spot. It should actually come Uh, after page number 194. Um, which has uh, the Black Knight, who's come to life, he's captured the Wasp and is holding her in his hand. And then he looks at her and thinks and goes into a flashback. And the flashback, that flashback is in the wrong spot. So um, that's a good thing to know for all of you people who have picked up Avengers and are looking and are kind of jarred by the, uh, the little bit of discontinuity there. Otherwise, this volume is solid. It's great. Uh, it, the reproduction is really nice. The, um, it, it's, uh, uh, there's just a lot of really great content in here. Um, is there anything that readers who are just picking up this volume for the first time uh, should know about this era of Avengers? Overall, not really, because the first two issues, number... Uh, 150 and 151 make a good job of uh, recapping what has happened before uh, way over at the beginning of the Avengers series. So new readers can start uh, without uh, previous knowledge. But yep. for the for the long-time reader, uh, so just a few things that happened before. So Steve Englehart has handed his run with, I think, let me see, number 149. Yes, 149 with the Serpent Crown story arc. Yep. So, and just after that, you begin issue 150, and they have uh, they do a pretty good job of recapping what has happened before. Except they don't really recap the Serpent Crown. I found that that um, I was a little confused because I hadn't read that story. Um, they kind of generally give you a broad stroke of the, the Avengers leading up to where they are now, but um, they do make lots of references to the Serpent Crown in these first issues, and don't really tell tell me why it's so important. So I think yeah, I mean- um, there's a little bit of that. Um, if you like, you you get it in the end, and it's ultimately it doesn't really matter for this volume, um, but it is a little bit confusing. So I think volume when volume 8 comes out, that'll fill in some gaps there for sure. Um, uh, you'd also want to know ahead of time that the wizard is the father of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, not Magneto, which most of us know Magneto as the father of those two. But at this period, um, it was revealed that the wizard the old golden age superhero was the father and so that's um a, that plays a very important role in this book this was an interesting time for marvel and jerry jerry conway kind of fell into being the writer of avengers um 
he was editor at the time and was having some problems with um, books being late. And, uh, you know, rather than me trying to explain it, I'm going to let Jerry explain it in his own words. So here he is. The uh, production head, John Verporten, came to me and said, you know, this is a, a problem that we can't, uh, we, we can't have, you know, and, and ca can we do something about it? And I called up uh, the writer on the, on the Avengers, Steve Englehart, and, uh, you know, I said, look, you know, we need to have an outline for George uh, by uh, Monday morning, you know, for George to be able to keep working. Uh, and this was like Thursday or something like that. And if, it, if he doesn't have the outline, I'm going to have to write an outline myself to give to him Monday morning, you know? Yeah. Uh, so this is the situation, Steve, you know, can, can you assure me that, and an outline will be in and he, you know, in, in John's presence said, yes, you know, I'll, I'll get it in no problem. And then on Monday, uh, he said, he'll need another day or so. Uh, -oh. uh, and at that point, you know, I, I, I felt like I, I was in the position of having to, uh, enforce, something that I had, I had said, cause I was starting out early here, you know, as, as, as an editor. Right. And I show your authority yeah, right at the beginning here. It, exactly. And so with the intention of just doing a fill in issue, I did an outline for that one issue. And, uh, as a result of my doing that, Steve quit Marvel comics, which <laughs> that's a, that's pretty dramatic. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was pretty young at the time and uh, not very resilient. And after about a month and a half of similar events with other people, I just, you know, rolled up my uh, editorial uh, sleeping bag, you know, and, and, and <laughs> put it away and became yeah. the editor, editor, writer of my own books. Really? And that's how I became the editor uh, and writer of the Avengers for about six months. Yeah, well, why don't we jump right into talking about these issues? Yeah, so when we begin this uh, this volume, yeah, we begin with some recapping of what has happened before and way back in the uh, first issues of the Avengers series. So we have a new lineup, with, uh, which is uh, decided, I think, in the end of issue 151. So we have uh, Captain America, Iron Man, Wasp, Yellow Jacket, Beat, Vision, Scarlet Witch, and uh, yeah, I think for now it's the, the core team. Then at the end of issue 152, I think, Wonder Man joins the team. And Thor appears here and there. So, yeah, it's um, it's kind of funny, and I'll touch on this a little bit later. Um, when Jim Shooter, because Jim Shooter takes over for the last few issues of of this, um, yeah, and when he does, you can tell that he really doesn't care about that current roster of Avengers. He brings in he brings in Thor almost every issue. He's like, oh, Thor just happens to drop by. And um, and Black Panther shows up like these are the guys he actually wants on the team, but he kind of yeah. feel I feel like he's forced to use these other characters, um, even though he doesn't really want to. Yeah. So so by the way, it's not explained in these volumes. I think it's it's a shame, but yeah, the the fact that Thor keeps appearing here and there, it's explained uh, in I think it will be explained in volume ten. So yeah, there, there, there is an explanation of why Thor uh, seems to appear uh, here and there. So, 
Um, so issue number 150 is called Avengers Assemble, and uh, like you said, it's, uh, it's basically a recap issue. And they actually use the actual Don Heck art from, uh, from the early, and uh, Kirby art from the early issues. Like those are actual, the actual pages, the actual panels. It's not redrawn. Um, they needed to save some time. There were probably some late deadlines, so they had to just kind of fill the issue with this. But then in issue yeah. number 151, which also has recaps, that, that's new, new material that was drawn by George Perez. Yes, and as you can see at this time, I think the thing from Fantastic Four, he, I think he has lost its powers, so he's using some kind of, uh, of uh, outfits that resembles the, the thing. It's what they're going to call it later during the Walter Simonson run, the thing armor, because I think at the time the thing ha didn't have his powers. Okay. There are some things that happen also at this time. I think uh, because it's going to be referenced later, the, there are um, caption boxes that say see current issues of Iron Man. Right. I think at the time there was, for Captain America, it was the Jack Kirby's run, I think. I'm not sure. Uh, with the bicentennial battles and uh, the fights with the Red School, I think. Okay. And uh, about Iron Man, I think it was the, uh, nearly the end of Bill Mantlo's run. So I haven't read this run, so I don't know really what happens during there, during this this run. And uh, about Thor, at the time, these issues of uh, Avengers have been public. Uh, it was during the Lane Wayne run, and I think it was during the Odin Quest's uh, story arc, but I'm not really sure. Right, yeah, I'm not sure either. I'm not too terribly familiar with Iron Man in the 70s, but uh, maybe if you, one of you re listeners can clue us in, we'd be appreciative of that. Let us know on our Facebook page or send an email to epicmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and then at the end of this one, um, th yeah, these are fairly filler issues. I'm, I wasn't too impressed with uh, the start of this book just because of how just because it's a recap, but these types of issues were very important in the 70s because people in the 70s didn't have access to reprints or digital copies or these giant collections at all. They just didn't exist. So yeah. you would find that every five years or so, or maybe even less than that, you would have these recap issues. They actually came up quite often to let people know about the history and bring them up to speed because it was the only way that people found out about this kind of stuff. So it's an important issue in that sense, but for us modern readers, they, they're just kind of in the way of the real story. Oh, I should also say, starting with issue 151, we get some Jack Kirby covers. Kirby's drawing all of the covers starting from 151, and he uh, does a pretty good job. I, I, I've ch I have the cover of 151 as the kind of the the main image I'm using on all of the Epic Marvel podcast uh, um, banners and icons and that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, good catch. Yep, pretty cool stuff. Let's move on to issue number 152. It's called Nightmare in New Orleans. And this issue has uh, John Buscema and Joe Sinnott on art. And uh, it tells the story of uh, Wonder Man coming back, he's left in a crate on their front 
in the in the front lawn of the Avengers mansion, and he busts out, and he uh, he's kind of um, he's kind of just out of it. Yeah, it looks a little like a, a, a little like a zombie. So yes. yeah, that's pretty strange for uh, for a cliffhanger for the next issue. So, I mean, uh, next issue from 151 to 152. Yeah, this is an interesting issue because it takes us to New Orleans. The team goes over there because um, Wonder Man seems to be be called there. Uh, and they've tracked uh, they've tracked this place down as uh, part of the mystery, the Wonder Man mystery. Uh, yeah, it's uh, when okay, I'm t- taking a look at at it. It's uh, yeah, as you said, Wonder Man is being called to New Orleans, and Scarlet Witch senses that uh, the the grass and the, uh, the dirt comes from the swamps from New Orleans. Because she, she she takes some of it that's in the in the ground, yeah. and he, and she senses that the Wonder Man is going to New Orleans, and so they track him down there. We meet a villain called Black Talon, and uh, this guy is a weird guy. Now, first, I've never heard of this guy before before this issue, and I can't say that I'm too much of a fan. He uh, his outfit looks like a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? Um, but he's controlling a whole bunch of, um, they're basically zombies um, yeah. coming out of the ground. They call them Zuvembis. And the, one of the reasons for that is that the, um, the, the comic code that set a lot of rules about censorship in comics uh, and what they could and couldn't put in there uh, forbid having monsters in, in comic books like Frankenstein and vampires and zombies. They loosened up in around this time in the mid '70s about the code and started allowing monsters, and then so Marvel started putting out books like Monster of Frankenstein and Tomb of Dracula, but they still weren't allowed to put zombies in their books. So Marvel's way around that was to to create something that was similar to a zombie, but it wasn't called a zombie, and they didn't eat people, so it wasn't technically a zombie. Um, they called them Zuvembis. And they yes, they yes. they continue to call Zuven- these guys Zuvembis through most of this book, and I think uh, toward the end they make one reference to zombies, and that lets us know that the comic code then started allowing them to start using the term zombies. But uh, the the term Zuvembi comes from a Robert E. Howard short story called Pigeons from Hell, which was in a magazine called Weird Tales in 1938. So there's a little bit of trivia for the, for you there. Yeah, I think it's being reprinted by EC Comics, not no, or maybe by Dark Horse because they have the rights to most of Robert E. Howard's stories. Oh yeah, I think, I think. I don't, don't. I'm not sure. Well, we should track it down because I it that would be interesting to read a story like that from 1938. I think that'd be pretty fascinating. Okay, let's move on to number one. 53. It's called Home is the Hero. And uh, yeah, in this issue we have uh, the the living laser. And this is kind of where I was confused because I don't know anything uh, about the Serpent Crown. Yes, because uh, th- yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was strange because 
they forgot the serpent crown and then Scarlet Witch goes and oh damn I've got to retrieve it back so she goes all the way back <laughs> to retrieve the, the serpent crown yeah, just a little recap so the serpent crown it was a device that has was um, built on a parallel dimension the uh, let me see the the uh, Squadron Supreme. I don't know if yep. it was, they were called Squadron Supreme at the time. I think they were. Uh, ah, they, oh, okay, they were already called. So uh, the, there was the. Um, it was a device created in the dimension uh, where the Squadron Supreme existed. So the people on on charge. Let me say, the, the presidents of uh, this dimension used this device, this this crown to manipulate people, to bend people to his will. So the Avengers went there and they, uh, they, they, um, they fixed things, let me say it like this, they fixed things back there yep. and the separate crown ended in uh, our universe, in Earth 616. So uh, the serpent crown just stood there in, in the base so uh, when Wonder Man appeared and uh, in Avengers 153, so she goes back to retrieve the Serpent Crown so it won't fall on uh, enemy's hands. But, but uh, uh, Living Laser is there and he takes the crown for himself. Yeah, and this issue actually sets up a lot of storylines that are going to play out. Um, with the Serpent Crown, with the Living Laser, because he comes back a little bit later, um, with uh, the Wizard, because he shows up and become, gets kind of mind-controlled by, by the Living Laser, sets up his story, um, continues the story for, for Vision a little bit, and, and even uh, um, a little bit about uh, Scarlet Witch. Like, it sets up a bunch of stuff here. So it's, this is really, I feel like, the actual beginning to... Uh, to what Jerry Conway is trying to do with his with his Avengers here, up until now yeah. these first three issues have just been the precursor, um, building up, setting the scene for the story. But here's where everything actually starts. Um, let's move on to Avengers Annual number six. So this story, the annual story, spins directly out of the previous issue, um, issue one fifty three. Um, unlike other Avengers or other annuals that just don't have anything to do with the actual title, um, th here we have George Perez in art. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, this is uh, where we meet, like the Wizard and the Avengers team up to battle the Living Laser. Yeah, yeah, because just previously the Wizard had a fight with the Avengers. Uh, the Wizard comes to Avengers Mansion to speak to Scarlet Witch, and then at one page you see a tiny laser going into the Wizard's eyes. Yeah, that when you see that, you think it's it's um, it. There has been something misprinted in yeah, the page. I thought then that too. <laughs> yeah, because after that, you see a caption page uh, that says, okay, let me see. It's on page 76 of of the Epic Collection. It's the second to last page of this issue. They say, come on, you must have seen the laser beam in panel 6 on page 10. You mean you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> yep, great sense of humor. I love it. Yeah, and then I, ha I had to go back and look to, to see, and yeah, there it is. Yeah, that printing mistake wasn't actually a mistake. It's for you eagle-eyed people who, who knew. But I mean, I guess 
I could have guessed because the, the, the misprint was the same color as the lasers we'd seen previously. But anyway, the oh, nice. uh, yeah, so now now they've teamed up. Wizard and the Avengers are teaming up because the Wizards found out that his, a government agency is holding his son um, in quarantine, and his son happens to be this giant nuclear monster called Nuclo. So, and I, I ha- I'm familiar with the Wizard, but I never knew that he had a son. So this was all new territory for me. Um, yeah, same thing for me. This issue was basically one giant fight. Um, they just kind of, they, they show up, they beat people up. And then there's a side story where the beast is trying to, uh, um, get through to Wonder Man, who is still kind of, uh, going a little, going crazy. Yeah. Because I think it was the, um, what they used to do at the time in the annuals, they divided it in some, some small chapters, so yeah, the first chapter we have a small recap of the story of uh, Weezer, how he came to be there, a little backstory about him, and then yeah, the second part you have the, the interludes with the Beast uh, going to check on uh, Wonder Man. Do you have anything? To, I, I like the, the art of this page because it's double side, double sized. They uh, spend a lot of of time uh, with some big splash pages but then there are also most of these pages with George Perez on the storytelling are broken down to like I don't know six or seven panels per page uh, which is even fewer than what we've seen in the the other issues before this Um, he breaks them down quite a bit and but he does some cool things like on page 104 which is the second to last page of the main story in this annual um, there is a um, a series of one, two, three, four, five panels right in the middle where the wizard is running by a whole bunch of guards and by past a tank, and he's, like, knocking out all the guards as he goes. Yes, very, um, very gorgeous art by, by George Perez. Yeah, it's just neat how he is conveying a passage of time by breaking up one big panel into five smaller panels. So, cool storytelling techniques. Issue number one. Oh, actually, there's a there's a backup story in this annual we can get to as well. It's called Night Vision, um, by Scott Edelman and Herb Trimpey. Yeah, and it sets uh, an appearance of the whirlwind, and uh, he's going to come back uh, some issues later. But yeah, he he has a first fight with uh, Vision here. Yeah. It's um, overall this backup story is kind of a throwaway story, except for the fact that Whirlwind gets out of jail because the ending I found didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, the Vision goes off and he says, "I have many more important things over which to ponder, and I will ponder them as an Avenger." But like, what is he pondering? I I was confused by that because he doesn't really he doesn't really say what his issue is or what his problem is. Nor does he really learn anything or come across any. I think I think it's about the fact that when Wonder Man appeared in the crate, he told a Vision in front of everybody. He told that he stole his mind, and I think the Vision starts to to to, to think about it. But I don't know. It's uh, don't know if it's uh, this. But yeah, I mean that could be. Um... He seems to be a little affected when the, the when the um, 
when the truck driver crashes into him and he gets really mad at Vision. Um, and I was wondering if that was something he had to ponder about. or, But, yeah, he, he, they just don't make any mention of that. And I can understand if what he's pondering about is about Wonder Man and his own existence, but they should have mentioned that somewhere in within this short story. Anyway, it was a, I thought it was a little confusing. But anyway, um, issue number 154. Um, now we have George Perez as kind of the, back as the regular artist. I'm assuming that he took a couple of months off, and that's why John Buscema was there, in order to do the giant-sized annual. Mm, yeah. Yeah, but, okay, now now I think that it's the part that I liked least in the... In, in this run, I, I I thought that the Gary Conway run was a little meh, but uh, okay, it was the the part I liked least in the, in the volume. Yeah, and Jerry Conway actually would talk a little bit about that one in my interview uh, when I talked to him the other day. So I'm gonna put that little clip here. Was there a point that you felt like you were finally finished with? Um, Steve's plots and you were actually forming stuff of your own now? Well, as I say, I never really felt like I, I wanted to write the Avengers as a, a, a goal, so I didn't really have ideas that uh, I wanted to uh, uh, address in the book. Uh, you know, I, I, I had been a big admirer of Roy Thomas's uh, uh, run on the title when he uh, introduced the, the vision, you know, and uh, the Cree Skull War and, you know, all of these terrific stories that he had right. done. But I didn't have a, a sense of identification with those characters to the degree that uh, Roy did and obviously Steve did. Uh, so I don't think, I, I think I was just vamping, you know, to, <laughs> to some extent, you know, just trying to, to pay off the stuff that Steve had, had left unresolved and, uh, you know, do do stories that would keep some interest going until we could decide who would be the best team on the book. I had a really tough time getting through this whole Atuma story that crosses over with Supervillain Team-Up. I just didn't care about it at all. And part of that is because I really don't <coughs> care about the Atlanteans. Um, anytime they show up in a story, it's like not my favorite. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, it took me, I don't know, several times putting the book up and down to uh to get through just these three yeah. issues because i think the the this the short run drags a little too long i think yeah i think so too and i think it suffers from it crossing over to supervillain team up there's a lot of unnecessary stuff in there pertaining to that book in particular that i didn't need to read um and it just seemed um I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure exactly why they had the team up in the first place. Yeah, because there's a, a bit of backstory. I think I haven't read Super Villain Team Up. I mean, the the previous issues. But when you begin after Avengers 154, you have to read. Well, at least it's printed in the volume and in the essential, and in the trades in the reprints. So you have Super Villain Team Up Nine, and you have a bit of a backstory about. Uh, some sort of coup d'état and Namor that has a uh, submariner that yeah. has been kept prisoner and we don't really know what's, what has happened or what's happening. Yeah. 
One interesting thing about the supervillain, sorry, we're skipping ahead. I, I don't mind talking about these three issues together since, um, since we're not so, so keen on them. We can just um, mush them all together. So we're talking about um, Avengers 154, supervillain team-up number 9, and number 155 altogether. Um, the supervillain team-up issue is drawn by Jim Shooter. And I don't usually think of Jim Shooter as an artist. Um, I consider him more the writer and the editor. Um, yeah. So it was interesting to see his work here. It's not too bad. Um, some of his figures are a little stiff and such, and uh, um, but um, but he was able to yeah. tell the story. Because uh, I don't know if he when uh, Jimmy Shooter was the the writer of Legion of Superheroes, I think in the 60s, I don't know if he also drew uh, some of it. I know he was the, the, the writer, he, he submitted his ideas, yep. but I don't know if he, he did some art. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, let's see, I find that um, the Beast is on this team, but really all he kind of does is get beat up. In this whole book, basically, he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, I think um, even at one point, the the beast he 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 outright says that all he all he gets is beaten here and there. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They do make a a joke about that too. But in this story, he actually does do something useful, because um, he goes and gets the wizard and Wonder Man to to go and fight. To go and save everybody else. Um, yes. One of the only kind of things that he does here. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of Jerry Conway's narration. Uh, whenever he has little narration bits, um, <clears throat> he he has a tendency to change the scene by. Uh, let's see if I can find an example here. Oh, here, yeah, on page one fifty six, which is the uh, one, two, three. Four, or five, I think fifth page of, of issue 155. It's Wonder Man, Beast, and the Wizard in, a, in the plane. And then in one of the panel he says, we'll return to Beast and Company later, but right now, let's look in on the Avengers. <laughs> he does that all the time. That's his way to change the scene. It's like, but we'll come back to this later. But first, let's check in and see what so-and-so is doing over here. And it just got a little redundant, and he does yeah. it all the time. This is kind of... I think this is where Jerry Conway ends his run. Uh, I think not. I think there also issue 156. Um, no, that, that, 156 no? is written by Jim Shooter. Oh, right. Oh, oh yes, but, yes, it's, right. but it's a Jerry Conway plot. But anyway, this is kind of a, a little bit of a transition time right here, these two issues. So let's talk a little bit more about issue number 156. It's called The Private War of Doctor Doom, and um, it's sort of carrying on from the previous plot, plot line. Um, the Vision has a master plan. He's talking Doctor Doom into teaming up, uh, and we have art by Sal Busema and Pablo Marcos, whom I really like this team. I think they're very good. Yeah, because I think at the time, Pablo Marcos was the main inker of George Perez, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, he he's great on inks, and um, this one he does even more than just ink. I think Sal was just doing um, some like some layouts and breakdowns, and uh, Pablo Marcos did 
a lot more of the actual art. Uh, I think so too. Yeah, because a lot of it, especially in the faces and such, it doesn't look like Sal's work. Anyway, what are your thoughts on this one? I thought that the, this arc dragged a little too long, so I really did not. I, I read these issues because I had to read them yeah, when yeah. I read them at first to within the essential. But the best is yet to come. Yeah, that's true. Issue number 157 is called A Ghost of Stone. And it, uh, it says Avengers Mansion, Christmas Eve, 1976. Um, and I don't know why they mentioned it's Christmas Eve because it doesn't have anything to do with the story. We don't see any... Um, any Christmas decorations or anything? Yeah, and and by the way, I think it's also a, f a filler issue. Uh, I mean, m more more or less a uh, filler issue because some uh, elements of this issue are used in the next one. But yeah, it seems like a filler. This one. Yeah, it does very standalone, and I think probably to tie up some loose ends with uh, Black Knight's story. Yeah, I think at the time in Defenders, he was turned into stone, I think. Yep. Yeah, and then the Avengers took him and put him in a closet, but he was still you know, cognizant. He could still feel, figure, feel what was going on and hear what was going on, and he thought that the Avengers just, just uh, abandoned him. So a reminder that this is the issue where there is a misprinted page um, in the Epic Collection. Oh, um, okay. Um, and in this one, we also get um, Wonder Man kind of venturing out on his own um, as a civilian trying to just uh, walk around town. And then, yeah, the, the statue uh, animates itself and decide, uh, captures the wasp and has a fight with the Avengers. And then he gets destroyed. Yes, yes. So it's like there. Uh, and we know he comes back. I'm not, I don't know how he comes back. I don't know where that appears in what story, but uh, I'm sure you can find that out pretty easily elsewhere. But... Um, yeah, this was just the beginning um, for this, this actual story. We can move on to the next one. Oh, actually, I do want to say that this issue was uh, drawn by Don Heck, issue 157. Drawn by Don Heck, and uh, he's one of the original Avengers pencilers. He did a lot of Avengers in the early days. Uh, so it's nice to see him back. His pencils with Pablo Marcos's inks are just great. Again, I believe... Pablo Marcos can make anybody look really good because Don Heck in the 70s and in the 80s uh, wasn't up to his full full stride. I haven't, I haven't read much of uh, early Avengers, so I, I, can't, uh, I can't give an opinion. Okay. Well, let's move on to issue number 158. Yeah, and now I think that's where things get really good. Yes. Yeah, do you want to introduce this one? Yeah, because uh, so this issue is called When Avengers Clash, and we have this uh, also the cover by Jack Kirby, and uh, we see the stat the Black Knight statue that has been destroyed in the previous issue, and uh, Vision stands there and he he still ponders, <laughs> she, she he stares at the issue, and then you see Wonder Man and and Scarlet Witch coming in. So uh, Vision then he gets he gets furious and decides to attack Wonder Man because he he thinks that uh, 
now that Wonder Man is here, he starts befriending uh, Scarlet Witch, and so he gets quite jealous with that. Yeah, this is really the beginning of a change in personality for Vision, which which uh, goes over the next several issues. Um, it starts with with this really right here, and he uh, he starts to become more android than person. Yeah, and one thing to to notice is that since the last uh, the new lineup in issue 151 now uh, iron man is the chairman of the avengers right. instead of captain america he starts make trying he tries to, to make some and the at first they are not really well regarded he he ha, uh, iron man has some small clashes with Captain America, and it's, he, he's going to have more more of these small clashes uh, with Captain America and the other Avengers. Yeah, in in this issue, we also are introduced to um, Graviton. Yeah, this is his first appearance. He and I didn't realize this about him, but he's Canadian. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I always notice that because I am as well. Um, yeah, there's, um, it, it's kind of interesting because there's no real resolution to vision to the Black Knight story from the, from the last issue. He's just a pile of rocks on the ground and, um, yeah, he, people just kind of forget about him. It's like they sweep him up and, and then he's gone, but, uh, um, and they move straight on. And I think that's partly because Jim Shooter just wanted to get onto what he wanted to write about since he's now officially the regular writer. This is kind of his first issue of uh, his new story. Um, and so he just does away with that and introduces his new villain that he wants to feature, Graviton. I remember, you know, uh, back when I was starting out in the 60s, uh, Stan was, you know, writing a lot of, almost all the Marvel books. And, man, it's just like every issue. It's, it's like a new villain. There's the Vulture. There's... There's the Sandman, there's Dr. Octopus, there's, you know, I mean, there's Fantastic Four. It wasn't just Dr. Doom there. It was, you know, all these different uh, opponents. It was so cool. And so I tried to do that at DC. At DC, like Superman hadn't had a new villain, you know, he's a toy man and something else. Yeah. You know, Lex Luthor for like 100 years. And I kept trying to come up with villains like the Parasite or whoever, you know. And, uh, and you know, he did the same thing. I kept trying to, you know. To like stand it, you know, and, and uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I saw him on the Avengers, and there hadn't been a lot of new Avengers villains, you know. Those people just like to play with the same toys again and again, or they just too lazy, or, or I don't know, I have no idea, but I just like, nope, I'm going to try to create some new bad guys. Right. And so I'm trying to think of, like, powers that haven't been done, stuff like gravity, okay? You know, I mean, uh, it, I didn't know of any characters like that. I guess you could say in the Legion of Superheroes, there was like White Laugh and Starboy, but I mean, it's not exactly the same. So, um, so I thought, oh, gra- you know, this Gravity guy. I remember hanging out with uh, Roger Stern, Dave Cockrum, and uh, when we, you know, I don't know where we were, just hanging out together or whatever. And I was telling him the story I came up with, and, you know, it's, I guess it's Gravity, though, and it's not a name for him yet. Len said, Graviton. I said, Ton. So this is cool. I was not uh, familiar with his origin story at all, so it was neat to see. Yeah, and I also see that uh, things get a little more serious in the tone of the series, because until now we had... the. Uh, 
superheroes adventures but now uh, now we see people almost dying and uh, as we will see next issue some uh, some more serious matters yeah yeah the tone definitely does change um Salbusem is on art again. Um, that's the one thing about this issue is that it has a pretty inconsistent uh, um, role of uh, inconsistent art, but at least they've picked artists that sort of complement each other. So it's not totally jarring, but it is different almost every other issue until we get to the John Byrne yeah. stuff toward the end here. So yeah, so in the end of the issue, so Graviton, yeah, as you see, we, as you said, we were introduced to him, and he reveals himself. Okay, they, yeah, they they have a first clash with Graviton, and they are captured by him. Yep, and Beast hasn't done a single thing in a couple of issues here, because um, he appears at the beginning of Heart of Stone with the the story with the Black Knight, and immediately gets knocked out. Like right at the very beginning, he gets trapped under. Um, some sort of heavy machinery or something like that. And then in the last issue, he doesn't do a single thing. And in this issue, he's just <laughs> caught and hanging suspended the entire time, along with the other Avengers. And here's where it's really obvious that uh, Jim Shooter is like, I don't want to use all of those other Avengers. The ones I really want to use are Thor and Black Panther. So he's bringing yeah. them in. He brings them both in in this issue. Uh, to save the day. Yeah, because it's it's an interesting th theory you have. Because yeah, when you read, we read it in the first time. You see Thor appearing here and there, but there is no real explanation. No, it's explained la later. I think maybe they said, uh, Jim, you have to explain why this guy keeps appearing uh, some uh, every time without explanation. So it's explained later why. But for now, you, you we don't know. So Graviton's a cool yeah. character. He's a, he's kind of a conflicted guy. He thinks he's kind of he's doing this for good reasons, but he's really not. And he he loves the people that he's trying to protect on. But then at the same time, he doesn't care about their safety. <laughs> and it's too bad. In such a short time, he becomes kind of like a joke B-list character uh, because he appeared in. The, uh, the Cosmic Adventures Spider-Man epic collection that I re-reviewed in the previous episode. And uh, he was a joke. He wasn't really serious at all. Um, but now, in comics now, he's kind of reclaimed a lot of that and he's, uh, he's kind of serious again. He's a big threat. Yeah, okay. Because I think he hasn't appeared in a long time since these stories uh, with, uh, with the Jim Shooter run. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just uh, little things with the end of the fight. Yeah, there's uh, something. Uh, I think. Well, for a kids' comic book, it's a little shocking, but uh, Graviton has brought with him uh, a woman who he, he forced to marry her. Yeah. Uh, he forced her to marry him, and she threatens to jump. Uh, from the um, from the floating from the island. complex, yeah, from the floating island, and then you see she disappears, and then you really think she has jumped, and at the end of the issue, you see Jarvis has rescued the the woman. But she did jump. She actually did do it. Uh, it wasn't just uh, a yeah, trick or anything. Right. She actually did, and Jarvis caught her mid air. <laughs> 
Yeah, it that is kind of um, a little darker, but that's the trend. Marvel at this time was heading down a little. They were they were just getting a little bit more grim in their storytelling. So that's uh, that makes sense. I found that the ending to this Graviton story was kind of a cheat. He just kind of the island folded up around him, and, yeah, and ended the whole thing. It was not really anybody. Like the, the heroes didn't do anything. The it villain. was a little, little too quickly wrapped up, but yeah. I think it's at, at at least it's better than dragging on too long. True, <laughs> yeah. So yes. in this next issue, number one hundred and sixty, called the trial, uh, we see the Avengers saying goodbye to the big three and the wizard. Um, oh, and Ant Man and Wasp, all of the original Avengers, they're leaving, leaving, uh, leaving the other guys. Home Alone, and then right behind them is yeah. the Grim Reaper. Now, um, all of this is pretty much happening in the same day as the previous couple of issues. It's all technically on Christmas Eve because the, it says that it's Christmas Eve when Black Knight attacks. They solve that problem, and then immediately in the next issue, while, there's the guy, while Black Knight's still on the ground, they get word about Graviton. And so they go and take care of Graviton, and immediately they're saying goodbye to these Avengers um, as they're leaving, and, and and Grim Reapers behind them. So this is still all Christmas Eve, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but when you're reading it monthly, you don't realize that it's just kind of it's comic timing. It's different and, timing. And and by this time, the the beast he starts uh, asking if he wouldn't be better uh, somewhere else. Yeah, and even uh, when you see Thor taking Captain America out, Captain America starts uh, asking why he's so quiet. So it's there uh, some some little. Uh, let me. See, how can I say this? They're definitely enticing you to try and check out the other books to find out what's going on with these characters. Yes, yes. Um, this is also the issue where they mention the word zombie rather than Zuvembi. All right, I haven't noticed it the first time. Yeah, I mean, this was, a, this was a good story. It didn't have a whole lot of action. There's a little bit at the beginning, but for the most part, it was, uh, it was uh, just talking and hashing things out with... Uh, with the Grim Reaper, who is mad at Vision, because Vision is ho holding the the memories and the 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 brain, I guess, of of his brother, who happens to be Wonder Man. Yeah, and and then they do a recap of uh, story of Wonder Man and how he came to be there. Yeah, I re I really like this this issue. Very very good issue. I like yep, it. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was really good too. Yeah, and then that, uh, Wonder Man he reveals that he's not really human and he's uh, made of pure energy. Yeah, which will play play up in a future volume. Uh, moving on to issue number one hundred and sixty-one. Um, now that kind of that story is ended, it ties up a bunch of the loose ends that um, Conway started, and now this issue one sixty-one is kind of where Shooter is going for his next story arc and we get a, a little guest appearance from ant-man yes now this i i thought that this was one of george perez's best issues in this story you can really see him coming into what he's classically known for some of the earlier issues were not even as good as this one 
And in this issue, Wonder Man has a new costume designed by no, no, no one else than the Beasts. Yeah. Yes, that's his purpose here is designing costumes. And man, is it an ugly costume. <laughs> I have to say, Beast uh, did a terrible job. But I think uh, it's okay. He had worse uh, outfits later, Wonder Man. I think during Avengers West Coast, when he had, he had his green costume with the jetpack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so Ant-Man appears and he, he starts questioning uh, who are the, the, the people in the new lineup, where are the... The, the old heroes, why Iron Man changed his armor. Yeah, because he's trapped in... His mind is stuck in 1963 or whatever. He doesn't realize that time has passed and people have changed. For some reason, he, he's, uh, he's trapped back in, back in the day. Yeah, this was a, this was a pretty good story, um, except it, was, it had nothing to do with the actual, the actual issue. The Ant-Man thing was just a, just a couple of pages at the beginning. And then it moves into the actual story, which is Ultron. Okay, there are also some pages with Hawkeye and Tugan kids in the yeah. in the Midwest. It That's just right. appear, appears one or two pages. Also in next issue, uh, he they also appear in one or two pages when the Avengers try to um, to call them for help and they don't answer. Yeah, these were kind of weird. They, Marvel had just, um, they wanted to use Two Gun Kid again, but Western comics just don't sell um, anymore. But so they brought Two Gun Kid into the modern day uh, through a story in Avengers number 144. And Hawkeye decided to hang out with him. And it's kind of, the, the, that story is just there. It doesn't really have... Uh, any purpose in this volume, I'm sure that it'll be played out in the future. But anyway, then, then the real excitement starts, and I guess um, Ultron bursts through the door and, and has a Wasp kidnapped. And he's got a... Yeah, and then everybody tries to take him out, and everybody fails. Yeah, and now we have one, one huge fight, another huge fight. Yep. Which is kind of, you got to have those with, uh, with the Avengers. With all those big heroes, yeah, I think yeah, at this time, except for the Jerry Conway small story arc, now yeah, you have one big fight one after another. First there was Graviton, then uh, you had the, the fights with uh, the Ant Man for the small fights, and then yeah, you have one big fight with with Ultron. Yeah, and then um, one sixty two. Oh, look who shows up again. It's Thor. What is he doing back? <laughs> and Black Panther is still kicking around here as well. So, yeah, there's a bunch of people hanging around. And we find this one's called the Bride of Ultron because we have found out that Ultron's master plan is he's going to transfer Jan's essence into a robot, which is kind of a theme in this volume because of all of the Wonder Man vision stuff that's going on as well. So Ultron's going to do the same thing. Um, and this is really the first appearance of the robot who we eventually know as Jocasta. Yeah, because they well, yeah they still don't don't call her or it. They don't call it Jocasta. So so yeah, you just uh, they just say it's uh, Ultron uh, Ultron's wife. Yeah, Ultron's bride. I mean, Ultron's bride. Yeah, yeah. 
this was an okay issue. It was a little bit, it dragged on a little bit, um, but uh, the last the last half when they get into some action is a little bit better here. Yeah, just uh, some uh, bit of trivia. You see a page when uh, they the Avengers try to contact the other uh, Avengers. Yeah. And you see they try to call um, Hawkeye. And Rawhide Kid, he doesn't know what the uh, telephone is. So yeah. when he hears the telephone ringing, he just shoots the telephone. And then he's reading a comic book and he says, this, this guy Kirby draws Rawhide uh, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so he's reading a comic called The Rawhide Kid, and then in one panel, he, there's a little wanted poster in the back. It says Wanted Kid Colt. So those are two other Marvel Western titles from the 60s um, that they no longer publish because no one wants to read Westerns anymore. Yeah, I think Raw, Rawhide Kid had some... They tried to do some revivals with him in the Marvel Max, but they didn't do really good. No. Okay, let's move on to number 163. This one's okay. called The Demigod Must Die. Yeah. And now this one, I think, was a, a real filler. For, for me, it's, it's the worst issue of the, of the volume. Yeah, this one was just, it was just, uh, it was totally pointless. You're right. Yeah, I think uh, my idea is that they, um, I don't know if Champions was already published but I think uh, as champions, they didn't have much success. So tra they tried to make them appear in other series so people would get to know them better. So that's, that's my opinion. Don't know if, it's, if, it's, uh, if it's, uh, that's true. Right. There is a picture uh, on one to the third page of this issue. It's page 297. The Black Widow in the top right corner there. Yes. Um, I really think this is uh, who's drawing this one. George Tuska. He really makes her look like Scarlett Johansson, I think, <laughs> which is uh, years ahead of, the, of, of his time, but I feel like that's a definite resemblance. Anyway, <laughs> that's just an aside. <laughs> nice trivia. Yeah. There is a, I think there is a mistake. You, you can, you, because you have the essential volumes. Turn, turn to the yeah. last page of this of this issue here. Yes. At the, can... at the bottom it says, next issue, a turning point for the beast, the secret of Wonder Man's... And then is there a word after that? Because there's not in... No, no, it's, there's a blank in there. Okay, so I wonder if that's intentional. It looks like it, it's missing a word there. So I don't know if in the Epic Collection what's printed next is issue 154 yep. or it's Final Threat. It's 164 is next. Uh, all right. Yeah, we have 164, 165, and 166 before we get to the final threat. All right. Okay, so uh, yeah, that's the order in the also in the essential. Perfect. Um, yeah, so we have now um, guest penciler John Byrne. John Byrne is going to be here for the next few issues. Um, and yeah, the Lethal Legion comes back. And here's kind of, uh, we're seeing characters come back like the Living Laser and Whirlwind along with the other guy that was named Wonder Man. <laughs> no, I mean, sorry, uh, not yeah. Wonder Man, Power Man. Yeah, I think that's the one who will be... Um, I think he was one in the, who appears in the Thunderbolts later. Yeah, uh, Atlas. Well, Atlas, yes. Yeah, so he becomes... Um, he gets the ability to grow really large, and uh, he changes his name to Goliath. And we get to see Goliath 
also in the last issue, or the last episode that I recorded, Cosmic Adventures, Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection. Um, but yeah, here he's still called Power Man, and they make even they make reference to the other Luke Cage Power Man and how that guy stole his name and that kind of thing. So it's, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> there is a reference in this issue to Marvel Team Up number fifty nine and sixty, and in that storyline, Hank boosts the power his and, and Jan's powers, so they are they they are much more powerful. Uh, yeah, there's a, the caption box, and I think the Wasp says we are the new improved models. Yeah, and then you have a caption that says "See for details, see Marvel Team Up 59 and 60." Yeah, and there's no real details that you need to know other than Hank just decided they need to be more powerful in order to defeat the guy that they were fighting there, um, and so he did. He boosted their powers, and now they're more powerful, which is kind of silly, I think, but they did it anyway. And in this issue, we get to the return of Count Nefaria. Um, and I'm not sure when the last time we saw him. I think it was, oh yeah, in the, the caption box it says X-Men 96. So that was uh, right when the, the new team was formed. Yeah, and they had the, the first fights with Nefaria, and then uh, Thunderbird uh, sacrificed himself That's to... Right. Defeat Nefaria, but yeah, he little did he know that Nefaria survived. This issue was pretty good. It was just a, basically a setup for what's coming up next, because we find out that Nefaria has is experimenting on himself, and he's given himself some superpowers. So now he doesn't have to hire underlings to do his dirty work, because that's kind of been his thing: is to hire a, a team of stooges to go after the bad guys, right? But now yeah, he's yeah. experimented on himself, and he is now superpowered himself so he can do all of his own dirty work yeah and i think it's supposed that he siphoned the powers of the of the villains so he could be superpowered himself right because when nefaria appears all the other three bad guys they collapse at the ground yeah um we can move on to issue number 165 yeah. all this right one, this one's called hammer of vengeance and uh yeah we get a a big treat of uh, we get to find out all about Nefaria's new powers, and the Beast references Thunderbird. Yes, because he, of course, they were teammates, and so he, uh, um, he definitely has a, a vested interest in taking down Nefaria. Yeah, and, and man, what what a fight they have with Nefaria! You know, I have a little clip of that from this interview with Jim Shooter, so uh, I'm going to play that right here. And then there's the flip side where you have like the Count Nefaria uh, trilogy where it's like just a huge, the biggest battle. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. kind of constant. So you, you kind of swing both ways there. Yeah, well, part of that was because, like I said, Marvel, the artist is, has a bigger than usual role, you know. Yeah. And that was the one and only time I ever worked with John Byrne. And John, was he just really wanted to do that, you know. And yeah. I said, okay, I'll play to your strengths, pal. You know? And uh, so the plots I gave him encouraged that and encouraged him to, you know, go and do stuff. You know, I tried to... And John got pretty creative about, you know, like, interesting uses of powers and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and so uh, my one complaint to him was, I, I said, you know, this is like a kung fu movie. I said, you have all the Avengers coming to attack the area. It's like they take turns. Right. You know, one attacks them, then they're beaten. And the next one attacks him, and then they're being. I said, you know, what are they doing? Just hanging around, waiting for the next guy to fall? 
<laughs> so I started, and then when I wrote it, I, I came up with some stuff to try to cover it. I mean, like, I had the Panther say that he circled around sneaking on the rooftops to, you know, until you know, oh, okay. we got there and attacked. Stuff like that. I mean, trying to cover it. God, you know, this is not a kind of movie, you know? you got to think big picture here. You know, why aren't they all diving on him? Or, you know, how does he prevent that? Or, or how do they fail to do that? Or, or you know, or they, or they do it and it fails or whatever, you know? Yeah, this is the the first time I think in this volume that I feel like the villain was an actual threat. All of the other ones, they seemed like they could take him. Maybe Graviton was the other major threat, but Nefaria actually seemed like he was yeah. going to win. This is also the first appearance of Henry Gyrick, who plays uh, a big role in the Avengers and in uh, several different comics in, coming up in the 80s. Um, but he first appears here. Just for like one scene. Yeah, and the setup of many things that are co going to come in uh, next volume, volume 10. Yeah. Okay, so at the end of this issue, the Avengers are all beaten, and look who shows up one more time. Uh-oh, it's and Thor. Once again, it's God of Thunder. <laughs> What's he doing here? So yeah, that leads us into issue 166, the last of this little three-part story. Uh, where it's yeah. just one big battle, and uh, the, and Thor and now Vision joins the fight, and Wonder Man, who is apparently really powerful, um, they kind of they they kind of all go after him. And then you see the, the Visions try to end this once and for all. So he goes up up in the in the atmosphere, and he gets hard as diamond and decides to uh, fall. On Nefaria, so he can knock him down. With a crash that's so dramatic that they could feel it all the way in Vermont. Yeah, and then they reveal that uh, Nefaria's powers are actually uh, aging him a, a lot faster than normal. Right. But I think it. Uh, don't know if it's revealed yet. I think it was a bluff, so they, he could uh, lose some confidence, so Nefaria could lose some confidence, and the Avengers could defeat him. Because at the end, uh, they say, I think Iron Man or Captain America says that, uh, let me see, no, it's it's uh, Yellow Jacket that says uh, he was, uh, in fact, he was immortal. Right. And now, yeah, that now that the, uh, the stories have ended, you have some tensions in the Avengers because Captain America starts questioning uh, Iron Man. I don't know if it, at the time the um, David Michelini's run has uh, has begun. There are some captions that say that uh, Iron Man has to take a leave of absence, yeah. and uh, Captain America doesn't take it too well. Yeah, yeah, he. Uh... Iron Man confronts Thor saying, where do you get off honoring us with your presence only when you feel like we're deep, in, deep enough? And Captain America says the same thing to him. Hey, you've been coming and going too. Yes. Yeah, so that's, um, that's the final issue of the main Avengers storyline for this book. And now we get uh, two annuals, the Avengers annual number seven and the Marvel two-in-one annual number two. Just a quick opinion, uh, because I think these issues, they are more uh, centered about, around Adam Warlock, uh, and Avengers play a little guest role 
in this issue because uh, you are introduced to Adam Warlock, to Gamora, and people who don't know, who haven't read the Warlock series, they don't know who these people are. So you see, but Thanos, he is quite famous today, but at the time, if you did not read the Warlock series or Captain Marvel by Jim Starlin, you didn't really know who Thanos was. Yeah, Thanos came out in 1973, which is just a couple years before this. Um, so yeah, he had only appeared a number of uh, a very small number of times. The Warlock series ended with issue 15 in November of 76. Um, so this is this story is really just tying up all of the threads from the Warlock series that never got tied up. That's really all this is. Um, both of these, but he needed these two massive issues in order to do that. Yeah, and there is, uh, I think the, the, these issues, the, both of these annuals are reprinted quite a lot in collected editions. And I think it's because we get so many different heroes all in one place all of the time, plus it's like it's the first time we see all of the Infinity Gems all together. Yes, at the time they were uh, only called the, the Infinity Gems. No, they were they were called the Soul Gems. They weren't even... Uh, soul yeah. Gems, all right. They were all Soul Gems. and uh, But this is their first appearance, basically. We'd only seen one before this, but all of a sudden now there are six. And in this book, Thanos takes... Um, takes them all and makes them into one giant gem that's going to give them power to destroy stars. So not only do we get to meet um, in this one Adam Warlock and Captain Marvel, but yeah, Gamora, Pip the Troll, all of these regulars that are kind of Starlin's cosmic universe, they're all here. Yeah, it's uh, space opera yep. and Jim Starlin at its, uh, his finest here. It is. It is at its finest. Um, I really am unfamiliar with a lot of the the cosmic universe. It's not really something I ever f followed, but these two were a lot of fun. I, I appreciate his sense of world building and a sense of mythology surrounding these characters. Um, and it's uh, he does a good job of, of even including the really grounded characters like Spider-Man into these kind of stories. Yeah. And that, that's the thing I don't really understand Jim Starlin's love for Spider-Man because he seems so down-to-earth and he always appears in these cosmic uh, sagas right. like Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity Abyss also. Well, and I wonder if that's just to help sell because at that time Spider-Man was totally selling, outselling any of those other books, yeah, right? I think so. If Starlin wants his book to be popular... You know, you gotta stick the popular characters yeah. in there. Just a little thing about the end of Marvel Twin One Annual Two. So you see Thanos, he's turned to stone, and he's not gonna appear until many years later during Thanos Quests. Right. I don't really know if it's Thanos Quest or the Silver Surfer story arc, uh, Rebirth of Thanos, but yeah, he doesn't appear until many years later. Right, yeah, he doesn't become overused until kind of the late 90s. I'm sure he'll be popping up a lot more now that uh, that movie's coming out in next year. Yes. Yeah, and um, yeah, I know the Sil Silver Surfer volume, Epic Collection number 7, has just been announced recently, and that's going to feature Thanos pretty heavily there. He'll be right on the cover. Yeah, and it's still too, just a little... Your personal opinion, and I think it's it's also too bad that um, 
that Marvel hasn't reprinted yet the issues that happened just before Infinity Gauntlet when you see uh, Mephisto and Thanos have, um, uh, are making a pact and they keep reprinting at least, no, I think, no, this one's the, the issues in the Epic Collection Volume 7 for Silver Surfer, I think they haven't been reprinted yet before also. Well, I think some people were saying that uh, they were reprinted in, if you buy the Infinity Gauntlet omnibus, there's a lot of that stuff in there already. Ah, okay. So overall, right. what are your opinions on this volume as a whole? Uh, it's okay, but it's too bad that um, some loose ends are not uh, are only uh, wrapped up in the next story arc, which is the deals with the Corvax saga. So you still don't know why Thor appearing. So and uh, you don't have all the answers uh, so my, my my opinion is uh, if you have bought this volume it's okay but it's too bad you can't find it anymore or uh, at used in comic stores or maybe in digital trades uh, so do yourself a favor get a bride of uh, bride of ultron and corvax saga and you have the book of jim shooters run nice yeah, and hopefully uh, Volume 10 will come out soon enough. I know that within the next couple of years, it should be uh, part of the Marvel Masterworks line. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be getting that, that one soon, I hope. Yeah, my yeah. opinion on this volume is that it's about half good. Um, I think it's, uh, it's definitely sort of a transition period for Avengers because of uh, just the change between Conway and Shooter and the inconsistency with all of the artists because every other issue is pretty much a, a different artist um i did like the final threat those two annuals that are at the back of this book but they seemed kind of out of place considering the material that was that came before it yes i agree um although they're good stories but it just uh you know i mean they have to put them in here somewhere and that's part of the thing about the epic collection is if you're going to collect all of the issues and all of the annuals then yeah you are going to have out of place stuff like this it's just kind of the nature of this thing but i appreciate that yeah, I think it's the same problem. I'll not really call it a problem with the uh, crossovers with the many annuals, mainly in the 90s. I think uh, and, um, uh, the ones that come to mind are the days of, uh, of present, I think, with the X-Men and the New Mutants and uh, X-Force, I think. And uh, the, um, the annuals crossover and the Spider-Man series also. Well, any any last thoughts? Anything you want to tell our listeners? Yeah, Quadrant Supreme, uh, the 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 limited the Mac, the limited series by Mark Grunwald. I don't know if the listen listeners can answer me, uh, but uh, at the end of the Serpent Crown, I know it's not it's not part of his epic collection. At the end of Ser the Serpent Crown uh, story arc, the Squadron Supreme decides to to do a coup d'état. And to uh, turn on the, the the government, and I don't know if the Squadron Supreme uh, limited series by Mark Greenwald starts at this point. So, if, if the listeners know answer, yeah, sure. If you know the answer, leave a leave a comment on our Facebook page or send us an email. That would be yeah, that'd be great to know. Thanks for joining me for this, Tommy. I know that you were a little apprehensive because English is not your native language, 
But I, th I think you did a great job. <laughs> all right, thank you. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for chatting with us. Okay, it's my pleasure, Curtis.